And they say make it more personal. And that makes you more touchable. So let's see how that goes. I am Gregory. Hey, welcome back. You're back again. This is episode, fuck, I don't know, seven or eight or 400. Doesn't really matter. So it's um Monday. Grumpy Monday. Nobody likes Mondays. Everyone hates Mondays. You go to work on Monday. Everything starts over on Monday. The work week starts. The weekend ends. You're recovering from your weekend debauchery and bad behavior. Here you are. Here we are. So, I was thinking today, I was like, ah, fuck. What can I talk about? I have so many ideas, so many thoughts running through my head. It's like all day. It's like a like a um a tape on fast forward. You just catch a ra- capture random scenes. And I today I captured one that went way back, way, 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 back. Back to the eighties. Oh. Oh, I'm going back to the eighties, man. Going back to the eighties, man. Yeah. I'm going back before starter jackets. Going back before um, overalls and silk shirts. No, I think the silk shirt phase was happening in the eighties, but maybe I didn't have the money in my household to to procure procure a silk shirt. Nonetheless, we're going back to nineteen eighty, um, eighty nine, eighty nine, ninety. It's right around there, the turn of the decade, end of the decade. I'm gonna tell you a story about something that happened to me. And it's quite funny now that I can reflect on it and find the humor in it. But then it was not funny as shit. It was not funny at all. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you two stories. I'm going to tell you a funny one. And I'm going to tell you a real one that might be funny and may not be funny. I'll let you determine the second one. Uh, So, let's go ahead and jump right into it. 1988, 89, I started the 7th grade. And I don't, well, let me back up. Uh, I got I to gotta, I gotta preface this story with some details. I was not the greatest student. I was not the worst student. I was the middle student. I was the gray area student. I was a student that was like, man, you got so much potential from one teacher. And the next, man, you don't know what the hell you're doing. I was that student. I was the one that made it through the system. Just getting through because the teacher didn't really give a fuck. And you didn't really give a fuck because you didn't know what to give a fuck about. So, that was me. So, um, going into junior high years, going I'm in the seventh grade. Because back when I was in school, elementary went up to sixth grade until they reached the age of reason. They realized sixth graders are basically seventh graders. You can't have sixth graders in school with kindergartners and first graders. It wasn't a good idea. But when I was there, you were in the sixth grade. You were 11 years old or 12 year olds with you know, little kids. And uh, junior high was sixth and seventh, just two years, just two years. So in this particular episode, uh, this particular time, I was, you know, in the seventh grade, and um, I was in um, this middle school class. In, in my middle school, they had different tiers of class of students. They had some students like really smart, and they had some that were not. And then they had a class for the middle kids. And I kind of fell into the class of middle kids. But apparently what happened at this point in time is that they realized that there were more lower kids than middle kids. So they kind of blended them. And we kind of, we essentially had a hard divide between them. 
hey, I'm smart. I'm going to the upper echelon of high schools next year after the eighth grade, rather eighth grade. And you guys are going to just struggle through. I'll fast forward those kids. Maybe 10% of them probably did well. The rest of them just fucked up. But anyway, statistically speaking, it happens. Peak two sooners. But anyway, so I'm in this class, right? And we real cool. We real fun. Have a nice time. I'm like, this is perfect for me because it wasn't the genius kids and it wasn't the dumb kids. We were just, just enough. Just enough. No, I'm, I'm feeling comfortable. Maybe men went through some mess and they determined that they needed more room for the fuck ups. So they put some fuck ups in our class. Now, I'm using the word term fuck ups because they wasn't, because that's kind of generally described what it was. And it wasn't that they were bad, stupid kids, just that they didn't give a shit. Some of them were smart. Some of these kids are own businesses today. Some of them are still doing very well. So it shows you what the educational system knows. Public schools. Gotta love them. Anyway. I, um, see these kids come to my class. I'm like, man, holy shit, man. What the, what the hell about to happen? This is crazy as hell. This ain't right. Now I think back on it. There were some really smart kids in my class. So maybe it was just a peck of the work. Because there were some kids in my class that were really, really, really smart. Um. I don't know. You know when you get older, how your memory kind of just kind of merges things, things kind of collide, and you, you end up kind of um, misremembering, or is that a word? Your recollection of events seem to be a little skewed and distorted. Let's just say mine is. Because I'm thinking about it now, and I'm talking about this now. I remember there were some kids in my class that were really smart, really smart. I think a lot of the kids I went to, school with really smart i just think the schools weren't really up to speed to catch us catch what we were the potential but anyway i digress so they started putting some kids in our class it wasn't a lot it may be a handful what is a handful what is that what does that mean do that i mean a couple is two a few is more than two several is a lot so you have to figure out what that number is and a handful is, I mean, typically at five fingers, I can say a handful. Is it five? Or is a handful, how many your hand can hold? Hold. With a really large hand, you can hold a lot more than somebody with a baby hand. Doesn't matter. I'm using a handful. A small number in comparison to the total number of students that was in our class, which was about 32. So, they put the kids in our class, right? And instantly, our class became a war zone. And I say war zone, I don't say it with the general I, the, the general description of what a war zone is. When I say war zone, I mean it was really uncouth, uncontrollable. You had some kids that were doing their work, some that were trying to learn, some that were just there to have fun, and some that didn't give a shit. Now, if you're a student now, you probably had classrooms like this. And um, if you do, uh, take advantage of these moments. They will never occur again in life as I did take advantage of this moment so my class got really crazy and I'm like oh my god man I'm, I'm first I'm like like what the hell am I doing I'm gonna do because I'm like man these kids in my class they old they seemed older than me and maybe some of them were but um side note they were they were there was a kid in eighth grade with me and he was 16 years old and I think one of my first and best jokes was when I cracked on him and I said dude you are twice, your age is twice the grade we're in. And the class erupted in laughter. It was the 80s. Okay, it was the 80s. Okay, you got to give me that. It was a funny joke for the 80s. So, 
back to my classroom. So here I am in this classroom. I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do? What's, what's, what's going to happen here? Well, as it turns out, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Matter of fact, it was great. In fact, it was so good that it actually helped me develop into the person that I am today. So, this story is going to be titled, The Day I Got a Letter Sent Home from My Math Teacher. <laughs> a physical letter. Yeah. So, we had an algebra class. I don't know what time it was, but it was after lunch. So, I was sitting in this class, and I did not like math. I wasn't good at it. I was never good at it at that point. I wasn't good at math classes. I was always good at math outside of school, but I was never good at math in class. It's weird. So when algebra came around, the class was so ridiculous. Like we were just so off the chain that um, I would take the opportunity to just be a spectator. And I observed the students in the class that were being the class clowns, the ones that were good at telling jokes, the ones that were good with talking to girls, and the ones that were really uh, well um, built for um, just, you know, just causing, just creating a ruckus, you know? And as I watched these classes, I started to figure out my best angle to, the best angle to come at them to create something that was fun. Now, now I'm saying this all now because it's 30-something years later. And none of those people remember me. Well, some people in school probably remember me. But the teachers don't. And I can't be prosecuted for the shit I said. Not in the 80s. Nah, I could. Maybe that day is coming. I wait for the lawyer letters. But <laughs> at that point, man, I would just sit there and watch and figure out how the kids work. Um... I think it was one of the points, the, the, the one early year, or early, uh, earliest times I can recall my ability to just fill the room out and find a way to say the most inappropriate things or find the funniest point, funniest angle in something that no one else sees. Um, it didn't really, it didn't really grow in me. It didn't really um, set roots for years to come, but that was a foundation. So I would sit there in class and I recall this one day we start, uh, one, some of the guys would start throwing. Some of the guys started throwing um, the spitball thing. And if you're not familiar with spitballing, it's basically where you take a straw and a piece of paper and you ball the paper up really small, almost the size of a BB, very small, so that it fits inside the inside the tip of the straw. And you blow it, and the ball will fly across the room and hit somebody. Now the distance and the velocity all determined was all dependent on your ability to tighten your little paper wire and your lung strength and your aim of course so i noticed that when this happened it started a spitball fight and then it started the class erupted in laughter back and forth jokes cracking and i would just laugh my ass off because i did not have the ability to make a decent spitball i couldn't make a decent spitball but i knew the spitball started to fight Start, start to um, start the events going. I knew this. I knew what the uh, um, what the um, how to incite the riot, so to speak. I knew what the starting point was. So I always associated with the first spitball being the way we can get out of math class. Because again, like I told you, I was not good in math in class, and I knew how to get the day going crazy. Now, a lot of times we were having substitute teachers. My regular math teacher was stern. She's mean. She was definitely not taking no mess. But for some reason, she was out a lot. So 
um, in her absence, I took that. I took those opportunities to um, enjoy myself. I knew I can get through math. We get a basic little assignment. I can pass the class. My whole thing was to pass the class and get out there with passing grade because I didn't want my mom, my mama whooping my ass. I didn't want my pops getting mad at me and scolding me and talking about you need to focus on this shit. No, no, no. I didn't. I didn't have time for that shit. I didn't have time for it. So any day we had a sub was a great day for me. But I got a little uh, greedy. I don't know what was going on with my math teacher, but apparently she had a lot going on. She wasn't out. She wasn't in class a lot. So there was one particular day where I, I don't remember how many times this happened, but I can just say that I noticed a trend that if I if, if no one's fired the first spitball, it was a boring day. So I figured that I had to learn how to fire a spitball. Now, there's two keys to inside the riot. One is knowing what method you need to to utilize in cider right, and two, who your first target should be. <laughs> now, I couldn't target um, a high value target, meaning a dude in the class that was loud enough to get everybody on his side, because I wasn't that guy. There were some guys in class that was a little older. The girls liked them. But then we do the start talking. And all of a sudden, the class was disrupted. The teacher couldn't control them. I couldn't target him because then it would be personal back and forth, me and him. And I didn't want that. I couldn't do that. And I couldn't hit a cute girl because I hit a cute girl. Then I'd get all the, all the dudes that like the cute girls on my back. Plus, some of the cute girls were my friends. I didn't want them being mad at me. I didn't want them hating me. I didn't want nobody to be mad at me. And three, I didn't really want to be known as the insider of the riot. That's the key. Not being known as the one that starts the battle. Because I knew these dudes just wanted to let off. They didn't want to be in this class no more than I did. And they wanted a reason to just let off shots. So I would figure the girl, and it was always a girl, to fire a shot at. You had to fire the girl. Because most of the time it was the girl that was the smartest one in class. And she would get loud and say, I can't believe somebody did this to me. And then a smart ass dude would say some shit back. And he'll fire something across it. Somebody else who's the second or third in command would fire something. And I would sit back and just laugh my ass off and watch the just the, car- the carnage uh, unfold. So, um, I did this for about, hmm, let's just say several, several days. It was probably a few weeks, but several days. Okay. Hmm. Now, much like bank robbers, car thieves, embezzlers, the way you get caught is that you get greedy. It's no different from me. Now, I was having so much fun doing this when the substitute was in that I decided when the regular math teacher came back, fuck, I'm going to set this shit off again. A trait that sticks with me to this day. You can't tell me no. No, don't say that. That's too far. Don't do that. Someone's going to get hurt. That's almost an invitation for me to do it. And I should have seen this in myself at that young age. But when the math teacher came back, and everyone's sitting there watching the assignments on the board and watching the notes, and they all knew to shut the fuck up and follow Ms. whatever her name was. Here's me in the back of the room with my straw, a ball, a piece of paper, whatever it was, ready to fire shots. And what do you think I did? You think common sense and rationale came into play and said, no, Greg, not the day for this. 
Or you think the other devil on my shoulder said, fuck it, let that shit fire. Well, unless you fast forwarded through this whole tape, you already know the answer. I let that shit fire. Pow! Oh, damn. Now, the ignorant motherfucker outside the room, he did something. Teacher didn't say nothing at first. She didn't say nothing at first. And the shit went on for a minute. She shut it down. Boom. Cut this shit out. What's wrong with y'all? Boom. All right. Whew. Now, that day, I think I got a few minutes out of it. But I didn't stop then. I did it several other times. I didn't know that my teacher was a gangster. And she was watching my silly ass do this dumb shit. I don't know how many days went by again. 30 something years. But there's one day I came in. I figured out getting away with this shit. I was doing it. I, I wasn't getting a full class day out of it. Session of it, which was about 45, 50 minutes. I was getting my 10 minutes. But that was enough to feed my ego. No, 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 no. I came in one day. I threw a piece of paper. She turned around and said, Womack. I said, so, huh? Said, Bring your ass up here. Ooh. That's what everybody did back in the day. We got in trouble. Ooh. Ooh. Now, she had been planning this shit on me for a while. Because she didn't even think. She went to the desk, pulled a yellow envelope out. Put it in my hand. Said, you take this to your mama. And your mama better sign this. Oh, yeah, I'm going to call your house. Now, let me pause here for a minute, folks. Um, There was a period in time where a letter to your mama really did reach your mama. Because your mama, if she did not get that letter, would get a call from your teacher. And if your mama got a call from your teacher, it wasn't during the day, no, between nine and three. No, 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 no. Your teacher, our teachers, was gangster as fuck. They were called during dinner time. They knew your mama was at home at 6.45, 7 o'clock, with your silly ass doing homework or trying to get you to take a bath or clean up your shit. And that's the best time when you at home messing up to get a call from the teacher. That's how it was. They didn't call or email this shit. They do now or text your mama or send out a group message. No, 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 no. They called your mama like a friend. They hit her up like a girl that she went to the club with back in their 20s. Hey, girl. Hey, what's happening? I ain't much going on. Fuck's happening? Yeah, this is Miss So-and-so. I'm just calling about your kid. Which one? Greg. Oh, really? What's going on with Greg? Yeah. This is the conversation that happened with my teacher and my mama. When you hear your mama on the phone with your teacher laughing, it's curtains for your ass. My ass had curtains. Back up a little bit. I jumped to the phone call too far ahead. So, I get this yellow letter from my teacher in a yellow envelope. 1989, 88, 89. You don't open that letter. Okay. We ain't have the balls like that. We ain't open that letter because our parents would kill us. They told us that shit and we believed it. I walked across a field <laughs> with this yellow letter in my hand crying like a bitch. I'm literally I'm snotting and shitting and everything because I know how much I fucked up. In my soul I thought she seen what I plotted and planned and wrote it in this letter. 
I thought about opening it, but I didn't want my mama to kill me with an open letter that was addressed to her. It had her name on it. I couldn't open that shit. I get home and give my mama the letter. My mama reads the letter. She look at me. She set it down. She gives my dad. He reads the letter. He talks to me for three hours. My father did that. He talked to me for three hours. Every, every time, everything I did. Everything I did. Everything. Two and a half to three hour talk. Wasn't even an interesting conversation. Matter of fact, I think he should have recorded it because he said the same thing every time. But I did a whole conversation. Even to this day, I did a whole conversation. My mama called the teacher. Now, I just told you about how when the teacher called your mama. My mama called the teacher because her phone number was in the goddamn letter. They had a conversation. They became best friends. For the sake of me. I go back to school the next day. My mother signed a letter. I think she might have put a heart and a come by for dinner note on there as well. My power was gone. I could no longer incite a riot. Kryptonite had been stuck in Superman's chest. I'd been stabbed with a kryptonite knife. I was crippled. I'll tell you why I was crippled. Next day I go to school. I don't know what I did, but I was very cautious about my behaviors. But the teacher was watching me like a hawk. She was only like a supervisor. She was on my back. She looks at me, and I'm sitting in the front. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot that part. She moved my ass to the front row. I was in the back. Back, left corner. I remember that shit. Moved to the center front row. There's nobody behind me. There's nobody behind me. To my left was Tamika. I can't remember the last name. If I did, I wouldn't say it. There was a Tamika next to me. There was a Gloria on the other side of me. And I'm in the front of an algebra class that I ain't even studying for. I sit in that front row. Matter of fact, I went to my regular seat. She said, ah, I got a new seat for you up front. Come sit right here. Right in the front. Everybody giggled. They knew the jig was up. Coincidentally, all the fun in that class ended at that point. And the teacher looks at me and says, Mel Gregory, I talked to your mama. And she and I agree that you are not going to have any more problems in here. But if you would happen to have a problem, she said to let you know that I have your mama phone number on my nightstand. Pause right there for a minute. Who puts a phone number on a nightstand? Even in 1989, we didn't necessarily need to do that. I was a student. I mean, it wasn't that important. She was trying to break me. And I will admit, for that semester, she did a good job. I was done. I was behaving maven. I didn't say shit else. I know I didn't say anything else because that was the last memory I have of junior high math. That was it. I don't know if that was the seventh or eighth grade. I'm gonna call it the eighth grade. But um that was a that was a very impactful moment for me. I'm in my forties now and I, I still remember that day. I can see her saying that I have your mother phone number on my dresser. Right next to her girdle and her wig. That's what my number was. And she had my mother's name and my name on that paper. In case of emergency. In case he fuck up. In case he think he funny. In case he throw paper. Call his number. 
I don't know what would have happened to me. And maybe she was just lying. Maybe she didn't have that number there. I think she might have been lying now that I think about it. Because I just said that lie. But here's the thing. I don't know if you can say that nowadays. I don't know. I think you should be able to say that nowadays. But I don't know if you can. And I don't think you, even if you did say it nowadays, I don't know if it go over the same. Because here, the phone or probably a cell phone, the kid got in his bag a second number. Who knows? I don't know. But that changed me. That changed my whole little perspective. But it did foster the age of ignorance that I um, welcomed with open arms maybe two decades after that. So see, bad things happen. We learn from them. We survive them. And we're better from them. I'll never forget that class. That was the great class. Um, I have I have more stories about my school years. Uh, I'll save those for another day. But I will, as I promised, deliver the second story here. And this is a lot shorter. I made it a lot shorter. Because um, this, this, this second story uh, involves bullying. And bullying has a very special place in my heart. Because it happened to me several times in my life. Didn't um didn't make me want to climb a clock tower, and didn't make me want to do something ridiculously stupid like kill a whole school. Uh, but this particular story um is interesting. So, um, let me set the let me set the, the foundation for this one. Here. So, again, junior high. It's very interesting years. Um, very interesting years. If you can find the cliff notes on my junior high school years, you should definitely read them there. Um, definitely page turners. Uh, so, junior high, I was not a big person. I'm not a big guy now, by standards. Uh, in junior high, I was maybe 115 pounds, maybe 120. It's called 120, but I was tall. I've been the same height since I was maybe 15 years old. 15 years old, 14 years old. I've, I grew fully by that point. I was always tall, skinny, long arm, big hands, big feet, big head. That was me. Paint the picture. Big head, big hands, big feet, skinny arms, skinny legs. All that packaged into a 115, 120-pound body. It wasn't impressive. It wasn't. It wasn't even threatening. On top of that, I don't have a threatening face. I don't look aggressive. I just can't. It just doesn't happen. I look like you can whip my ass. Side note, I look like. That's the face I have. Emphasis on look like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very welcoming. So in junior high, that was amplified because I was a kid. So um, in my neighborhood, I, um, as a young age, I made friends with um, one of the girls on the street. This should have been a year and a half older than me. We met, we met you know, typically like you see in a movie. We met on bicycles, right on the block. And we just started riding our bikes together. And we went to junior high together. Now, she grew up and she's a little older than me. So, of course, guys like the girls look like they're older. And guys like girls. And girls don't like guys. And girls like guys that are older than them. And tough guys and bad guys and bad boys and all that shit like that at the age. So, here I am. Walking to school. And this this story is titled, The Day Goliath Toppled. The, the Day Goliath Was Toppled by David. And the day after, immediately, <laughs> Goliath topples David. See, they never tell you about Goliath's re revenge. They just say David 
top of Goliath. You thought Goliath just laid there and said, fuck it, I'm done. No, he went back home and said, I'm going to kick this little motherfucker's ass. And that's kind of what happened to me. But I took it on the chin and did not go home crying, much like I did with the letter. So, I would walk to school across a field to my middle school. I walked a few blocks, then the big open field, and we walked to school, which is at the end of the field. So, you walked across the field, which is basically, if I had to measure it, maybe a quarter mile. Maybe a little over a quarter mile. It's hard to say now, but it's not very big. But when you're little, it's a long ways. Uh, there was a big dude that used to walk the same name, not big, the same path. Now, when I say big dude, I don't mean like big dude muscle built out, you know, kick ass today. No, no, no. I didn't mean a really fat motherfucker. And I don't know how you feel about the word, the term fat motherfucker, but this was a fat motherfucker. He was a big dude, but he was bigger than me, but he was fat. He wasn't working out. He did not go to the gym to build his power. His advantage over me was surely just mass. So, um, I'm walking home one day, rather. I'm walking home one day, and there were two girls living in that neighborhood. Um, Quote-unquote, the fine girls of the neighborhood. I mean, they were fine girls, but it wasn't like I had a chance. They were just fine girls, and they were friends of mine, and I had got to walk with them. So, I'm walking home with these two girls. We live in the same neighborhood, so one of them got to her block and she walked on. But at the corner of her block, the dude was there. And back in the day, if you want to impress a girl, you basically had to show that you could beat somebody's ass. Most likely, it was the guy that the girl's with. So I went. It was accepted. That was the rule. Now, I wasn't with the girl, but I was with the girl. So, dude walks up to me, and he sees me with a girl. He wants to impress the girl. Girls at this point. So, he walks up with a stick. Not 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 a stick, a literal stick. Off a tree that grows on the ground, a stick. Four foot stick. And he's like, says something to me that I can't remember to this day. And I'm in the middle of the street. We're walking down the side. We know we was kids, we didn't walk on the sidewalk. We was rebellious. We walked in the street. Fuck cars. So he takes his stick and he swings his stick at me. Um, however, he did not know, even to the day, that my reflexes are very, very fast. Almost ridiculously, freakishly fast. Like, I can catch money if it's falling out of the sky. Like, somebody drops a $20 bill, I can catch it before it hits the ground. I don't know how I do it. I don't brag about it. It's just something I can do. So I caught the stick. And he swung it in a, in a, with the intention that it would just hit me or I would run. But that I would not grab the stick, one. Or two, pull the stick. So when he swung the stick, I grabbed it and I pulled it. Now mind you, I said earlier, he was a fat motherfucker. He was not strong. When I grabbed the stick and pulled it, he fell. And he fell on his back and laid on the ground in the middle of the street on his back. The two fine girls are still there. They laughed their tits off. I'm sorry. It was junior high. They didn't have tits. They laughed their asses off. I mean, because everybody has an ass. They hadn't grown tits at that point. They just had ass to laugh off. But had they had tits, they would laugh those off too. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. 
I did not laugh. Tell you what, I'm a realist. This kid was about 200 pounds. He looked 200 pounds then, so I'm going to call him 200 pounds now. He probably 170, just tall. I knew this was not over because I peeped the scene. As I walked past him and kept going, I looked back. He's laying in the middle of the street. He wasn't laying because I knocked him out. He was laying because he was embarrassed. He was thinking, damn, I'm never going to get these girls. Now this little motherfucker that tripped me up and laid me out in the street. I went home. The girls laughed. They walked on with me. For about a half a block, I had a wonderful moment. I I embraced the moment, and I enjoyed the moment because I knew that the next day was coming, and this was not over. And that was right. So, the next day, friends of mine, little dude down the street, he's a little bigger. I was a small kid. Everybody bigger than me. I was a little skinny fuck. So, it's like, man, you need to walk with us. It was me, him, and some other kid. I can't remember who it was. I think my buddy from around the block. He said, you need to walk with us because whatever his name was, he going to come kick your ass. I said, what? He said, man, you you, you, you knocked his ass down. He, he, he shit just hurt. He, he embarrassed. He going to come kick your ass. He got, he got to kick your ass. So I'm like, man, whatever, man. Whatever, man. I'm walk with y'all. But my boy was a little heavy set. He was slow. And we go to school. We walk across the field. I told you about a quarter mile, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. So every day for about, I'm going to say about two weeks, I would see them walking ahead of us. And as long as I walk with my friend, I was straight. My friend walked so slow that I ran the risk of being late for school. Mind you, I already had a yellow letter in the previous story. That I had to come home with mama. My teacher had my number on her mirror. On her nightstand. I did not have much leeway at school. I was not the greatest student. I had to be on time. So I started walking ahead of my friend. My friend could not run. And um, the dude that I knocked down noticed this. So what he would do is he walked slower and slower and slower. And it came a day to where I was in the middle of the field. Because something happened, you know, kids have different opinions, words said back and forth. I got pissed off. Fuck it. I'm going to do my thing. And I'm in the middle of the field by myself. And the dude is there with his buddy. Because now he got back up. <sighs> you ever see one of those rolling pins at the pizza place when they flat the dough out? The dough by itself is pretty heavy. When you put that rolling pin on that dough, that dough pretty much gives up and just takes the shape of whatever that rolling pin wants it to be. That's essentially what happened to me. I remember the words, uh, what were the words? I gotta kick your ass. I'm like, no you don't. This doesn't have to happen at all. You can go on to school and say you did and I won't say shit about it. He wasn't a very good fighter. Then again, he didn't have to be because I was 110 pounds and probably 115. And he was not. But he wrestled me to the ground and got some grass stains on my um, stonewashed gray jeans. I was very upset about that. And um, I had to go to school like that. And a tear rolled down my eye because that's what you do when you get your ass kicked and you can't fight back. When somebody that big is on you, you're just like, shit. So 
I went to school that day. I dealt with it. The different thing. Uh, side note, uh, after he just wrestled me to the ground and just basically demoralized me by saying, you can't get me off of me. You ain't too big. You ain't big enough. And he was right. My buddies slowly lumbered up and said, man, I told you not to leave us. I was like, man, fuck y'all, man. You knew good and damn well what was about to happen, man. You could have ran your ass up here. It could have done you some good. It was two of them. I can't remember who the other dude was, but he wasn't big dude. He just walked because he was scared. But you know what, though? I said this. It was a bully. He was bullying me. He's he's messing with me for no reason. But I never remember being scared of going to school for that. I was like, I knew eventually at some point in time, something was going to happen on this fucking field. But I never said I'm staying home today. I never said I'm scared of you. I never really was scared of I just knew mathematically I couldn't beat him up because you're just that much bigger than me. But I never said I'm not going. Um, after that happened, it was it. That was it. I don't. Nothing happened after that. Nothing happened after that. It wasn't like it was an everyday picking with. And in my mind, I was like, "Look, I got you. You got me. That's it." I pulled this, this shit. You tried to hit me. I pulled this shit down and buried you in the middle of the street in my neighborhood. You got me on an empty field with nobody but my friends. So, I mean, they ain't going to say shit. I got you in front of the girls. So, in my mind, I'm like, I won. I'm cool. I'm still going to school. You ain't scaring the shit out of me. I never really was scared. We good. That's it. I don't even remember the kid's name. I'm not, not saying his name because I don't want to put him out there, but I really don't remember his name. I couldn't, if you put a gun in my head, I couldn't remember his name. I knew it then, but I don't know it now. It's like, um, it's an event. Uh, so, if I kind of take a left turn off this, you know, I, I and I'm just thinking, again, I'm just thinking about this stuff and I'm talking about it. It's kind of a difference between then and now. You know? There were a lot of times, because like I said, I was not a fighter. I did not have a fighter's face. So there was a lot of shit that happened to me. A lot of things that people picked on me. A lot of people I knew got picked on. You know, shit like that. People got picked on, got bullied. But the one thing I recall was that you never felt like you need to do something irrational. None of my friends did. In elementary school, we had bullies. We never felt like we had to do something irrational. Something where we felt like we just had to just set the spot off. It never crossed my mind. And I was I can say that confidently. Well, I can say this next thing confidently. Confidently. And that is, I think, the only difference between the 80s and maybe part of the 90s and now is the fact that we could escape it. By that I mean, look, I was safe until I went to school. So between 8 o'clock and 3.15 or whatever I got out of school, that was the bullying hour. Sure, the bully came to your neighborhood, you saw him, but for the most part, you could go in the house or you could fight him in your neighborhood or you was in your neighborhood and you had your friends. You were straight. I didn't get my ass whipped in my neighborhood by school bullies. Nah, that shit ain't happened. Although I did get chased home that one time by a mob of motherfuckers. 
And that wasn't because I was scared. That's just because it was like 14, 15 people and it was just me. And I didn't know how many it would take to whip my ass in the motor words of Ron White. I just knew how many they were going to use. Um, and I was a little kid then. But that was home and it wasn't school. So like, if I think about it compared to what kids deal with now, imagine picking up your fucking phone and the person that fucked with you at school is now fucking with you on Instagram. So, I'm going to create a scenario. It's not very hard to create this. Imagine you got a bully in your class. And it's like four kids that are scared of the bully, but they fuck with you because they don't want the bully fucking with them. That's typically how it goes. The bully has cronies that don't want the bully fuck with him, so they see your bully like fucking with you. So we're going to laugh at the bully jokes. <coughs> okay, the bully sweater and all bullshit like that. <coughs> so, sorry. So, basically, that bully has his crew. Now, that bully crew roll with him all the time. All right? So he's with them. They're behind him when he fucking with people, when he picking with people. They're in his safe space. Okay? Think about it. That's basically what it is. So, but now, it's like... Well, then it's like when you left school or you left whatever environment you were being picked on, it was over. But imagine now, like I'm saying, when you go home, you sitting at home, you just had dinner, you had some cool time at home, something fun happened. You pick up your phone, you go check your IG page because you got your friend, you maybe you messaged a girl. And she's like, you wait for that girl to spot back, see if she's going to like you or not. And you see this dude then post some shit and tag these four motherfuckers in it. And them four people then put that shit live on their page because he didn't say some shit about you. Let's say he say, hey, don't Greg have a big head? You look like a, it look like a such and such and such and such. I'm just making up shit. Now everybody tag like, 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 like. If somebody else who's like, man, I'm just glad he fucking with somebody else, not me, comment. Now, as opposed to 1989 or 90, when it was like you, the bully, and whoever heard that comment, just say four people, six people, even if it's a classroom, now you have a whole school that knows such as the fuck with you, and they all talking about it. What do you do? How do you deal with that? And I'm, I know the first thing is, man, I'm going to whoop his ass. Well, let's just say that you can't whoop that bully's ass or you don't want to or you're not a fighter that's the difference between now and then in my opinion it's always on it's always on it's always active always engaged and i think um that that is a key element when you look at we talk about people from my generation my age group that try to assess or um evaluate someone from this current generation's um, generation who's dealing with something like that. So, told you it'd be a funny story. It turned into a sad story, but a funny story. But a sad story, but a funny story. My story was funny. To me, it was funny. I don't know. Maybe somebody hears it and it's not funny to them, but to me, it's funny because I ultimately came out of it and I was okay. 
Well, I mean, I understand everybody doesn't. But, I mean, that's that's basically what, what you have. You have a situation where you never get away from it now. I was fortunate. I could go home, and it was over. And there were times I recall going home, even younger, that I would go home, and I was like, didn't want to go to school. Because she was just ridiculous. And I couldn't imagine having that kind of environment in present day with all the tools and resources that are available now. Like, it's really, really, it's really, it can be, it can be really traumatic. I would imagine. I mean, I, the things like, like, I think sometimes adults get older and they get past their, their issues when they were younger and they look back and say, just, they look at their children and you say, just do this and stand up to bullets and say this, say that. They forget what it was like when they were going through it. I try not to forget because I don't think it changes. I, I, I have this theory that um, technology changes, the time changes, but kids stay the same. So kids to me are like basically um, every time a child is born, they're born with the same software they've been born with for the last millennia. They're born the exact same way. The tools that are available to them are different, but they're born exactly the same as they were. So a kid born in 1927 is born with the same set of skills as a kid born in 2019. They had the same approach. They had the same mindset about learning stuff and adapting and engaging with other people. It doesn't change. So if that doesn't change, it doesn't matter if the adults see things different their perspective has changed you have to understand that the kids are the same that's why kids still bully kids still talk about other kids kids are still the same way as they were 20 years ago sure it's different that they do it on ig or they do it on facebook or the snapchat or whatever app they use now but the kids are still the same you're just giving them different tools to to perform the same acts so i i, I guess i can understand that but um i i I think it's something that should not go missed. And I'm pretty sure people recognize it. Um, I just want to say it because it's fresh in my mind right now. It's just, like I said, it's coming to the top of the head right now. Um, I guess I'll say I'm, I guess I'll, I'll say I didn't say that I'm fortunate I grew up in the 80s and not the 20s. Because I grew up now, then what I had to do now, I don't know what that would do to me. So, um, of course bullying is wrong i'm always gonna say that i'm gonna say bullying is wrong it's um it's a sign of a deficiency in another person most of the people that have been bullies in my life they've had something else wrong in their life and they're trying to compensate for something as you get older you can sympathize somewhat for them but it's a deficiency something's missing something's wrong in their life something happened where they didn't have something and I'm not going to say it's typical that somebody didn't hug the mother's child. Because somebody can hug the mother's child. But it's something else. In some cases, it could be genetic. But I think in most cases, it's not. So, um, I guess I tell my, all of my funny stories to say, if you have a kid around you being bullied or something's wrong with them, listen to them. And don't, don't just brush off their issues as being something kids just do. You know, because all of us at some point in time were kids. When we were kids, that shit was dead serious to us. You know what I'm saying? That was, it was dead serious. 
it's funny. It's funny we get to be adults and all of a sudden we look back on things that happen to us and they happen to our children. Sometimes, not all times, we give these skills and tools and say, man, you don't let them talk to you like that. You whip his ass. Well, when it happened to you as a kid, did you whip that person's ass? Hmm. I don't think so. You cried to your parent or you went home upset. And there's no shame in that. I don't have no problem personally saying what my child was like at school. Man, shit. It is what it is. I don't carry that burden with me today. I think in my in my opinion, in my experiences, I think it helped me. I think it helped me. I don't worry about shit people say to me anymore. I never had. I've been a long time since I've been concerned about what people say. It's hard to hurt my feelings. You can't even hurt my feelings. You can't demoralize me or demean me. You can't. Because as a child, I, was, I, I went through a lot of that shit. So now I'm like, oh, fuck it. Whatever. You can say shit to me, I'm going to say shit right back. I don't give a damn. Um, but that's just me. It's not everybody. It's not everyone. So I'm going to say pay attention to little people. When they tell you somebody bothering them, don't just say, you know, don't tell them what you wish you would have done. Give them an opportunity. Listen to them. Help them out. You can't be the parent to go to school and fight kids because that shit is illegal. <laughs> I know some moms want to go to school and fight the bully. I wish you would touch my camera and go whip that little motherfucker ass. I said, you realize that's um, grade school and that's um, assault and child abuse and you'll go to jail for 20 years. I don't care. Really? 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 Okay. Okay. You drink lattes every day. You won't drink lattes in jail. You don't like doing laundry. Somebody will have you doing their laundry in there or worse. So keep all that in mind. Yeah, I think that's all they got to today. I think that's all. I think that's enough. I think that's enough to digest for Monday. Mondays already suck anyway, so I don't want to hit you with too much. So we'll let it go from there. We'll let it drop. Uh, drop me a line. Let me know what you think. If you have some experiences in school, I, I, I want to hear about them. Um, I, I, prefer, I, 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 Professor, mine were not the worst. My childhood was not the worst. I mean, it wasn't even bad. I reflect on it, look at it in comparison to some other stories. I want to hear yours. Um, some things you dealt with in your childhood and things that your children may deal with. You know, how do you how do you deal with your children and help them deal with those issues? Have you been able to? Do you know what to do? Do you not know what to do? Do you feel powerless or helpless? I'm curious about that. So, see, I started with a funny story and the spitballs and I worked it all the way to something serious. That was interesting. I like that. Okay. Well, let me know. All right. This is the night. I'm going to bed. You guys enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you on Wednesday. I am Gregory. Take care of yourself. You only got one of you.